This is the Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic, hosted by Dr. Mark. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark, and this is the Tea Health Show and in studio. Today we have one of our more frequent regular guests and a very good friend of mine, Dr. Catherine Davies here, guru extraordinaire. Kathy, good morning, how are you? Hi, morning, Dr. Mark, and thank you for having me again. It's always great to be here. So, um, as always, we have our vivacious producer, Sims. Sims, I see winter's taking its toll on you. You're starting to... Um, Cover up? Yes, I have a hoodie on. I do not like the cold, so I'm very much warm. And um, <laughs> my right hand in the practice, Sister Elise. Morning, Elise. Morning. Okay, so we're going to talk about something that I think is one of the most distressing things that can happen to a woman. And you know what? I went through it um, uh, when I lost my hair. Uh, it was horrific for me. Um, so we're going to talk about female hair loss. Kathy, where do we start with this? Well, like you said, it really affects um, women psychologically. It's a huge issue. But from a medical point of view, it's very important to understand that there are many different causes of female hair loss. And it's like going to a dermatologist and saying, I'm having skin problems. You can have acne, you can have psoriasis. It's important to know what type of hair loss you have and why you're losing your hair. But for any lady who's having hair loss, it's usually very distressing. And it's far less acceptable for a woman to bald than a man, unfortunately. Or to have thin hair. Yes. Um, I don't know whether you guys watch mum. No. Have you ever have you ever seen the program Mum, Kev? No, you're gonna yeah. have to explain it. Okay, to so Mum is a is a sitcom and it's on Mnet and Comedy Central. And Alison Jane, you guys know who she is. She's the tall girl that played in something. But she's the mother. And it was obvious, or it is obvious, that her hairline has shifted backwards. So, I, I, you know, if anyone who's listening to this, watch watch it. Um, I think she was in Law and Order or something like that, where she she played the Secretary of State. Or I'm definitely going to watch it now. And it's just that the hairline really it looks like the hair starts halfway um, on the head. And what what kind of hair loss would that be? If your hairline moves backwards, it's not, you can't obviously see a thinning. Um, No, it's it's literally, it's just moved back. So someone has pulled their head backwards. So there are a few causes of that. The most common is traction. So if she's been wearing tight buns and high ponytails. This is what happens in, in most of our African women. Oh, yes, honey. Like for years using that relaxer and then you just have to get that, like when you plait and it's super tight. So the, you know, the forehead does not move at all. You see it over time that like the lady's hair goes back. Definitely. And you just, yes. The most common cause of, of, of ethnic hair loss is traction alopecia. So, so pulling. Because of the weaves or the, the, the plaiting of the hair. Yes. And, and, um, uh, the combination of both as well, you know, relaxing and pulling. And sometimes you see these uh, little kids going to school and their, their eyes are pulled so oh, tight yes. by their hair. And I just think, oh, we need to protect that hairline a bit. 
um, because mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. styling can pull it back. But if it's a dramatic case, and I'm going to definitely now go watch mom or moms, what are you talking about? Um, if it's dramatic where the whole hairline shifts back and there's almost like a shiny line, yes, that can be one of the scarring alopecias known as frontal fibrosing alopecia. And they usually use, they usually lose a bit of eyebrow as well. Um, and that's very distressing because the whole hairline just moves back. Um, and What's there's actually the reason no for that? It's a scarring condition, and it's it's caused by um, underlying pathology. Sometimes it's lichen planus, um, but so it's it can be immuno. It um, definitely can be immune related. Related, yeah. Okay, so Kath, let's let's actually before we go into the different types of hair loss, um, I think when when we talk hair loss. In women, we need to just try and do it visually because we we can describe the conditions and you and I might have an idea, but our listeners not. So let's start with the ones that I can picture. And um, we see it in our practice often um, where you have a thinning of hair in the crown area, so that that would be the top of the head. Yeah. Like um, when you start going bald. So like when guys start going bald, okay. just like me, Cynthia. Okay. So okay. I, I saw you look at me. So, <laughs> so not for long. I'm seeing Kathy next month. So um, let me okay. put this visually for you. So yeah. basically, um, there are, like I said, hundreds of types of hair loss, but the main ones you're going to see is traction, as we discussed, with a history of braiding. Then. You're going to see people, and I think that's what you're describing. We call it the Christmas tree parting, where just over time, their scalp starts to thin on top. And if they make a parting, the parting gets wider and wider. Oh, okay. And it's a general thinning. Um, and it's, they notice it in photos, and it slowly thins over time, and it often has a family history. Or so when you're driving in your convertible and all you see is pink. And you get a sunburned <laughs> scalp, exactly. So that's usually the genetic type, your androgenetic alopecia. It's also sometimes known as female pattern hair loss. Female pattern or male pattern? That's female pattern hair loss. It's the Christmas tree parting. Okay, so that's basically in the midline uh, area. So between, if you if you take from the pupils, that's that area there, and you exactly. take a line and the through. Top just okay, they start thinning. They start complaining. They can see their scalp, and like you said, sunburn. And then just visually to show you the third category, that's people who shed. Um, and this is usually um, a sudden onset after um, something that happened, like a general anesthetic, an illness, and they and shed. Stress. So they and stress definitely. So they come to you with hair, you know, saying they've got more hair in their hairbrush. The hair's clogging up the bath or the shower. So that's the third main type. That's actually known as telogen effluvium, which is basically a fancy way of saying it's hair loss due to an event that's happened. Oh. And that's different to those ladies. So this slowly. can be surgery. Absolutely. Is this hormone related? So um, hormone related usually fits with the other kind of hair loss, which ah. is slower and more long term. Um, and it can be hormone related, underlying iron deficiency or thyroid. Okay. So, Kath, for those people that get these 
batches. It's literally as if someone coin size batch. Okay, so yeah. that's now a fourth type of uh, visual yeah. picture that I'm putting in your mind. Have you seen that? Yes, that's, that's, that's very distressing. So that's but you can cover it if you have long hair. But yeah. for me, you can't. That's why we need. Um, that's why we need dermatologists because hair loss is complex, and those coin shaped lesions, which are like baby smooth. That's known as alopecia areata. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people know it as alopecia, but alopecia just means hair loss. But the official term is AA or alopecia areata, and that's autoimmune. And they patches and they actually usually grow back if it's just a coin shaped lesion. And some people are prone to them and they come and they go. Often this is someone who goes to the hairdresser and the hairdresser points out a coin shaped lesion somewhere they didn't know or they find it themselves. More severe cases of alopecia areata is when they actually lose all their hair or all their hair, body, and eyebrows, and that's called alopecia totalis or alopecia universalis. And that, unfortunately, happens sometimes in kids where you see that that it almost looks like they're going through chemo because they don't have a hair on their body. Um, And there are a whole lot of support groups for alopecia because it can be incredibly psychologically Distressful and it is an autoimmune condition. But for the most people with alopecia areata, it's those coin shaped lesions. They come and they go and there's certain things we can do to, to get the hair back to uh, Is alopecia areata, um, an indicator of other underlying autoimmune conditions or not necessarily? Not necessarily, but it's always worth checking because it's, it often comes in combination um, with other conditions. Like like a, a Hashimoto's, which is, like an, Hashimoto's which is a thyroid disease? Vitiligo, um, but it's often just isolated and it occurs on its own. And I find this interesting. I don't know if you find this interesting, but... The skin is very immunogenic. So, you know, if you get a splinter, your body flares up. And it sees the hair as something foreign. So we have our own... Uh, really? Yeah. So, so our own system has this way of recognizing that our hair is not foreign and it immune protects it. In someone with alopecia areata, that immune protection is Oh, gone. okay. So okay. your own... That recognizing that this is mine exactly. so stops. Immune privilege is gone. And that's why it's shiny, smooth in certain areas at your own immune system, tax the follicles, and they fall out. But that's your autoimmune hair loss. Okay. So um, talk to us a little bit about dandruff, dry scalp, um, or oily scalp, or keratin buildup. Is is this the same? And can these cause conditions like hair loss? Is it bad for your hair? So a healthy scalp is very, very important for optimal hair growth and optimal hair condition. So it, it adds to to hair loss, and it can be a cause of hair loss. Um, it's very important to keep to keep your scalp healthy. And um, if you were to part your hair and look at your scalp, it should be milky. It shouldn't have a buildup, like you said. And you hit the nail on the head when you said there are two types of, of uh, in layman's terms, dandruff, an oily one and a dry one. So the one is when you're very dry and get those white flakes and the other one is a more oily buildup where you get um, oiliness and actually oily flakes. So is dandruff almost like a scalp eczema? It is very similar to a scalp eczema and um, if you look at it under a microscope, a little bug lives in there. Once like mites. Like it's like yes. psoriasis. A little bit like that. So um, with these shampoos, which usually contain ketoconazole, 
Um, if you shampoo and leave it in, you give it time to to get rid of those extra little. Um, so ketoconazole is uh, antifungal. Yes. So you have an antifungal, um, and if it's uh, eczema or psoriasis based, eczema based cortisone, psoriasis based mite. M- little mites where you know what for guys who still have ivermectin that's what you put on your hair so um <laughs> it's interesting that there was yeah. a new product launched for psoriasis called Sulantra. it was by bagalderma and it is topical ivermectin yeah so okay Kath, um is there a difference between ethnic Women's hair loss, we know it's the majority of that's usually caused by um, traction alopecia, but does ethnic people lose hair differently to other ethnic groups? Yes, yeah, so, so um, African hair has two, there are two main causes of hair loss that we see over and over. The one, as we discussed, is the traction alopecia from braiding, Chemicals, and the most important thing there is to to stop what's actually caused it first, and then work on trying to get the hair back. But there's a second type of hair loss that I see in African men and women, which is it's quite a, a mouthful. So I'll give you it's CCCA, so uh, cicatricial central alopecia, and that's more on the top of the head when you start to see scalp. And that's actually, um, there's a lot of work done by a prof in Dlovu. She's from KZN. Oh, Norza. Exactly. Yeah. On this condition, and there's a genetic tendency towards it. But it's also from a practice of, bra- uh, of, of braiding or heat treatments, but it causes more of a central thinning. So the traction you can definitely see on the hairline. You can start to actually see casts. That's one of the ways you can see that you're pulling too tight, is you see almost these white casts or flakes. And then you know you're damaging the follicle and pulling too tight. But that CCCA, the centrifugal cicatricial, which basically means scarring hair loss, is more on the top central area. Um, and that's really a condition that should be um, treated by a dermatologist because it's inflammatory. It should be by opsied to see the next step to take. Um, so it's not something you can just ignore. And, um, yeah, it really should be biopsied and treated by an expert. Okay. I, I've had the privilege to work with Prof. Lova. Oh, wow. She's also the Dean of the Faculty of Medicine of KZN. Um, and I know that she is working closely with some Swedish, um, people, um, on, uh, specifically this condition, yes, um, and, and, in and African people. So if you're in the Durban area, uh, or Peter Maritzburg area, Prof. Lova has a private practice uh, in Umschlange. You can you can go there as well. Yes, and, and one of the key things with that is because it's scarring, you can't really bring the hair back, but it's about preventing further loss. Yeah. Um, so that's what her treatments are, are aimed at. Okay, so when we, uh, it's interesting what you said now. So I'm going to go one step back. If you say scarring hair loss, hair loss from scarring, and, and I think about, you know, what when someone has a gash on their head, uh, you can see that scarring when you shave a head. So is scarring hair loss always permanent? Yes. So scarring hair loss basically by definition means that the part of the follicle that needs to regrow hair is gone. So there's no way of growing 
that hair back in that particular follicle. And how do one diagnose that except for a physical scar? So usually on a trichoscope, there's, there's certain indicators that will tell you that it's scarring. But those are my, what I call, sent to the dermatologist patients to okay. get a biopsy and a proper diagnosis. Um, because you also have to see what level of scarring there is, what level of inflammation there is in order to optimally treat that. Okay. Um, so as, as GPs and aesthetic doctors, we, you know, we limited in what we can treat. So we treat what we can and we refer the scarring hair loss patients to the dermatologist. Okay. And a transplant won't work on that. Unfortunately area. not, no. Okay. Okay. So, um, Indians. Yes. So, um, why, why, why do they have just such fabulous hair? Don't you just hate it? So I do. I really do. It's a whole cultural hair. Yeah, there's a whole. It's it's first of all genetic. (laughs) Second, it's it's a whole cultural thing. They shave the baby's head at 40 days, apply these beautiful oils. So their whole practice of scalp health, scalp stimulation, and massage gives them beautiful hair. But it's also genetic. Um, I mean, no amount of massaging would get my fine hair to beautiful thick Indian hair. But having said that, Indian ladies, because of their tendency. Um, first of all, uh, vegetarian and veganism, um, and secondly, often problems with insulin. There is a high incidence of hair loss in the Indian population as they get older. So we're going to circle around just now to hormones. Um, uh, in in the discussions that Elise and I have been having on real health, um, and next week I'm, I'm doing something on... Um, Spreekamer on Afrikaans TV about hormones is the questions that we get from people is they think hormones, estrogen for women, and very few think of testosterone. But um, when you mention testosterone or testosterone, they think men and muscles. What we tend to forget is that there are 50 other hormones and all of them can have an effect on metabolism um, and well-being. So before we go there, Kath, European helos for women. What are the main causes? So the main two, apart from the you know the patchy and scarring hair loss, which are, which are quite rare that we chatted about, the main two you're going to see um, in your white females are firstly shedding, which is your telogen and effluvium, and that is after some kind That's of traumatic event or surgery or stress yes. or uh, it's or, severe illness, or also involving hormones, something like postpartum. Uh, Stopping breastfeeding or stopping the oral contraceptive pill or starting the oral contraceptive pill. So that sh- shedding hair loss occurs usually two to three months after an event. So my patients always think I'm psychic because they come in with these bags of hair loss and I say, when did it start? They say December. So I say, mm, what happened in September? Did you have a, you know, general anesthetic or a big stress? And, and then you sort of work it back from there. And we've seen so much shedding. Post COVID, so it's very interesting, and I, I I want to go to to this one. This is a case that a couple of months I've discussed with you. It was um, a forty-something-year-old woman who um, had a, a hysterectomy 
previously and then for some reason i think she developed an ovarian cysts and they've decided to remove both ovaries now this is post hysterectomy and within two weeks she was plunged into what we refer to as um, surgical menopause. All the hormones was removed, or, or the main sources of hormone production, uh, sex hormone production, testosterone and estrogen, was removed. And you know what? It's like stopping smoking cold turkey or putting a heroin uh, needle in front of an addict just out of reach um she she her life not only started crumbling it literally exploded apart and we started treating her with hormone uh, balancing and hormone optimization therapy and the patient kept on reporting to us um, that she is so grateful she's got her life back. And two months later, she started saying, I'm losing my hair. Oh, no. And then she came um, and we started her on topical treatments etc etc we balanced the eye and we looked at the thyroid which we do in any case when we do our treatments and then she started saying um, okay now I have like you said earlier more hair in my brush than I have on my hair or on my head so what kind of hair loss was that was this hair loss Caused by hormonal optimization treatment, or was this seeing the time frame most probably due to the surgery, the anesthesia, and the upset in the hormones? What would you so say? Type of hair loss. This is your telogen effluvium, which you know the, the whole thing of having hair in the brush. And that shows that something caused it and she shed. And it's often almost impossible to say what caused it. But something like a sudden menopause, two to three months later, could you know, it, it, you even just get this from, from stopping the pull. So imagine just suddenly cutting off all your hormones. It can definitely be from that. It can even just be from having a general anesthetic and the stress of going, what she, of going through what she's gone through. Um, as far as optimizing hormones go, you do get some people who are particularly sensitive to certain things. It's the same as, um, you know, any medication, almost any medication you can read, one of the side effects is hair loss. And you can get a thousand people taking it and they don't have hair loss and one person takes it and they're susceptible to hair loss. So boosting testosterone in a lady has so many benefits and in some, yes, can cause a bit of shedding. Um, shedding so or, or just a Slow hair loss, uh, shedding. It can cause if, if it's a, a fresh start, it could ca- cause a bit of okay. shedding. It's usually if it's testosterone based, the the actual that they get triangles like the men get mm. more than than losing all the hair. But I think the most common cause there would just be that massive surgery and the shock of suddenly, you know, having no hair. So, uh, Samperia, I'm well, glad that you say sure because for Elise and myself, we've never seen this in any of our patients. Um, and it was as distressing 
for us, I think, as practitioners, as it was for her. Because in all our years of experience with hormone optimization, um, we've never seen something like this. Um, and dealing with that patient, yes, we made you better, but according to her experience, and I would have had exactly the same one, but you made me better, but look at what you've done. Um, it's it's that. Unfortunately, okay. you know, when you're so desperate and hair loss can make ladies desperate, you, you look at someone to blame or something to blame. Um, but, you know, the doctors who did the, the hysterectomy were probably doing a life-saving procedure. Um, and as distressing as hair loss is, you, you know, you can't really be blamed as a doctor. It's the same as putting someone on an anti-epileptic tablet. You know, sometimes you're saving their life or their brain or their, you know, neurostructure, but you are causing distressing hair loss as a side effect. Um, and as doctors, we never set out to cause hair loss or any other side effect, but you've got to balance up, you know, risks and, and rewards so is, and saving is lives. Is the hair loss then permanent for those? No. So the good thing about shedding um, is that shedding usually means that the hair can return. Okay. It takes a hell of a long time. You do have to sort out underlying issues or else you're not going to get it back. But shedding is actually a good sign in that it's not a scarring type of hair loss. The follicle is still there. It's still alive. Um, it can take up to two years, but you can get that type of hair loss back. So when my distressed patients sit in the waiting room and sometimes bring their hair in yeah, a bag. This patient did. Yes, she brought us a bag, a bag of hair. That, that's, then I know it's telogen effluvium when they're sitting in the waiting room with a bag full of their hair. Um, it's very distressing. Um, that psychological thing of your hair falling onto your shoulders all day is awful. But there's a, there's a, a little bit of a light there because it is reversible. Quick question on that. When you notice the shedding and you then start doing the, the right, uh, Steps to to kind of stop the shedding. How long does that take? Does it still in that time frame? Are you still shedding? So it, you, you will shed for a while. So the first thing to stop, and that's actually such a, a good way mm. of looking at it, before you actually regrow and thicken your hair and thicken your ponytail, the first improvement you're going to notice is your, your shedding uh, gets gradually lighter. gets less. Okay, Gra- definitely gradually, but um, that is one thing that that happens. But to actually see. New growth and thickening can take, you know, up to a full year. And unfortunately, that's why often people stop treatment because they try it for two weeks and then say it's not working. So a lot of it, I mean, if you've got prone to holes in your teeth, you've got to brush your teeth every night. You've got to, you know, a lot of it is actually about counseling the patient that it's going to take time. They have to keep up their iron or their uh, meditation because they're too stressed for a long time to notice the difference. It's interesting that you mention stress. Um, physical stress, emotional stress, and long-term low-grade stress. Yes. Are those equally contributing to a possible hair loss? Yes. So this is um, – and once again, I find this fascinating. I hope you do too. Um, you can almost tell the type of – Stressed by the type of hair loss they get, and for example, okay, now, now, no, now, 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 okay, we do find this interesting. So, 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 I, you know, I'm not psychic, but you, when someone wow. has a little coin-shaped alopecia areata lesions, I say to them, "When did you first notice it?" Um, yesterday, 
three months before, that alopecia areata patient would have had an acute stress. So in those patients, I see hijacking. Unfortunately, an abuse, you've always got to look for abuse in kids with that type of stress or bullying. It's a, it's that day of stress where somebody died or you crashed your car. So it's, it's, it's an acute, um, and it's, it's a well demarcated lesion. Yes. Okay. Then, um, the straight, the, the, the chronic ongoing stress is when you're going to get your shedding. So you, you do have, and I mean, that, that thing of people turning gray overnight or losing their hair overnight from, from, you know, from a, from a death or, um, an illness, but your chronic stress, your hair is not going to be in an optimal condition. You're going to generally slowly shed. Um, okay, so Elise, practice from now on <laughs> need to be a stress-free environment because I'm having my transplant again. I'm I'm having another transplant with Kathy in in a couple of uh, weeks' time, and. Um, as you can see, the few natural hairs that I had on my head fell out. So, no more stress. I've got another question. Um, I've read up about it where people pull out their hair. Yes. What do you okay, call so that? That is trichotillomania. So, that's another, like I was saying, that's why we love these dermatologists because that's another type of hair loss. And it's, it's, um, we see it a lot in teenagers. Um, but isn't it more that they need to go and see a psychiatrist so, or? So, it's called trichotillomania, and it's people who pull their hair, pull their eyelashes. Um, a lot of people do it, but not to the extent that it damages their hair. But we see a lot of people come in and they've actually damaged their hair. And often they don't volunteer the information. So the way we, we determine this is their, their hairs at all different lengths. Ah, so it, it breaks. Make, it breaks. It doesn't make sense with other things that often accompanied with skin picking and anxious type of a personality. So the first thing you do there um, is... You know, get the patient a psych consult um, because it's not. You know, you can treat the hair all you want, and they'll just pull out the new hair. Well, so. you know what? If you only have four hairs on your head <laughs> that you have to whip into a buffon <laughs> every morning, chest. pull out your chest hairs if you have. To I have enough there. It's very interesting. <laughs> I would never forget this. Sorry, Kath, I'm putting you on the spot. What was your most interesting hair transplant <laughs> ever? Uh, yes, I did have a man who wanted me to transplant hair to, onto his chest. What? Wait, why? <laughs> he was a lovely man. Where did you get the hair from? From his head. He was a lovely man who lived in the like Magnum PI era and wanted to wear his thick gold chain with a button-down shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the most interesting post-op consult because he came to me with this, a thick gold chain and hair sticking out of his <laughs> shirt and he was very happy. Well, I, I, if, if for the guys, we're actually talking about bills, but for the guys that want a hair transplant, I can tell you, and Elise, we've often joked about this, when I had my transplant from CAF, we took hair from the back of my head and all we did is we we filled in the thinning hair um, on on my crown and a little bit in my in my fringe. Um, and when the hair started growing, I, I, I don't know if you can see it's changed like you said it would. It was like having had my pubic hair transplanted <laughs> onto my forehead. <laughs> I, I don't know. Apparently, you know what? I did lots of things that day that I can't remember. Um, and you know what? It the the my hair changed texture um, from the back to the front. It suddenly realizes where it is and sort of becomes... And then it became soft and now it's straight again. I'm glad you brought that up because 
unfortunately, with females, hair transplants aren't the answer. Why? And I wish I wish it was because I could help so many people. But if you look at a male who balds, and I always use Joshua Dor as an example because I'm not. Simpiwe doesn't know who Joshua Dor is. Joshua Dor. <laughs> he's your uncle in the furniture business. Okay, so that horseshoe ring of hair at the back that a man has is triple as thick as anywhere else. It's thick, strong hair, and they never lose it. Unfortunately, as women, we don't have that thick, strong hair at the back, which is your donor area. So we thin and have weak hair everywhere. So we end up taking hair from that donor area, putting it where we need it, and it just doesn't take like it does um, in a male. So you end up thinning the back and not getting a great result where you're putting the hair. So unfortunately, it's just not the answer for females. So it's a much longer and harder road for females. It's about rectifying what caused it or what's going on internally and at the same time trying to stimulate the follicle. Okay, so let's go there then um, because transplant, not a successful option. It's expensive in any case. Um and if it's not going to be successful, but you really don't want to throw your money down there. Um, Kath, the main causes, let's start in young girls. Um, let's say they're still at school. So anywhere from child, um, little toddlers to um, your teenagers. Main causes would be psychological or something like an autoimmune kind yes, of so, reaction? Yeah, exactly. We don't see a lot of... Um Hair loss in, in that age group But yes If it is It's that alopecia areata In childhood Or when they actually Pull the their hair out When they're pulling their hair out And you will see If it's the coin-like Lesions Go look for trauma Yes if Okay In the slightly older teens If you're starting to see Your polycystic ovary syndromes Yeah It can be accompanied By thinning hair Okay Why? Because of the higher uh, Concentration or higher circulating testosterone or progesterone? Um, both. So it's, so it's because of the high circulating testosterone and also insulin. So you find once you start um, controlling insulin in your PCOS patients, their hair starts to improve. Okay. So let's go there. Um, next group would be um, your 20 to 40-year-olds. So here they are in their reproductive years. What are the main causes that we're seeing there? main causes are um, either low iron or, th- or thyroid problems. Very, very... Elite. And I, I, I want to... I'm sorry, but I interject. Um, people need to understand that low iron levels lead to thyroid um Dysfunction or dysfunction because your thyroid hormone needs to bind to iron as well as vitamin D to be activated. So, um, and we often see this, Elise, in the practice where patients come in and, um, they have a normal, um, TSH and a normal T4 and the moment, and then they have low Iron levels or very low vitamin D levels or both. And the moment that I go and do, um, a Hashimoto screen positive where, you know, they have antibodies against the thyroid or subclinical hypothyroidism. Okay. So iron and, um, thyroid, thyroid problems. How about 
diabetics in this age because this is where you start getting your type 1 diabetics really really starting to come through in the in the late teens to um yeah so you're definitely not going to have optimal hair when you um shooting your you know when your insulin levels aren't optimal but the main causes in the 20 to 40s is your iron thyroid and then female hormones which which is a whole umbrella like i said polycystic ovaries ovarian syndrome starting certain pills or going off certain pills um and it's always three months later so people don't always associate it with what they've started or stopped it's not doesn't happen the next week then postpartum i mean we all get this glorious hair in pregnancy and then why um, because of estrogen estrogen. yes and then um after childbirth two months later already depressed and then we start shedding our hair into the bath so um that's a very very common one in that age group you you mentioned earlier something about breastfeeding yes or stopping so so um when you are postpartum and then you can have a hair loss and you can also have hair loss after stopping breastfeeding. Is that because of a change in prolactin, in prolactin levels? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Um, so, pa- sorry, Kath, patients that are on things like Esperide, Eglinol, blah, 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 that uh, works, antidepressants, but that works on prolactin or has an effect on prolactin. Starting or stopping? Usually certain Stopping, stopping that stopping, kind yes. of medication. But, but, but way down on the list of side effects would, will be hair loss in those medications, but it's usually from ceasing them rather okay. than starting them. Okay. Yes. So still on our 20 to 40 age group, you also start to get your androgenetic or your inherited hair loss start to creep in. In that age now, group. where do you inherit the hair loss from? So, your mother or your father? So your mother. So it's from the female side of the family. However, um, we call it genetic alopecia, but some people have it, and there's no family history. It's still called androgenetic alopecia, and that is you don't really notice shedding. Just over time, you're starting to get this widened partner, parting. That same Christmas tree kind of exactly. So if um, if we know that woman in the family is prone to something like that, my grandmother had it, my mother had it, I don't want to have it. So first of all, you check that the grandmother and mother didn't have underlying conditions. You know, maybe they also had Hashimoto's or low iron, which, you know, could also run in the family. But if it's truly just the hair then the, it's far either easier to prevent further loss than it is to wait till you're quite bald and start treating it. So so early preventative treatments are important in those patients. Okay, so we, we'll come to the different treatment modalities that we have just now. Um, our 50 to 60-year-olds? So then you're really seeing your, your androgenetic alopecia and... The big one is menopause, perimenopause and menopause. So for those of you, perimenopause some starts when? Um, 45. 45. Yay. <laughs> so she, sometimes she does listen. When I get something wrong, she's quick to put it out. Um, okay, so uh, perimenopause where the hormones on paper still look okay, Um but patients are starting to to have symptoms, and menopause because of decreased estrogen, estrogen. or both testosterone 
and estrogen. Well, there are definitely studies that low testosterone can also cause hair loss as well as high testosterone. So the the, the biggest cause is estrogen. Um, and we, you know, like you asked in pregnancy, what causes greater estrogen? If your estrogen then lowers, your, your hair does deteriorate. But, uh, and what I really admire about you guys treating hormones is I always look at them. It's a symphony or, you know, Absolutely. all those hormones yeah. and any imbalance can affect your hair. Hair is just so sensitive to hormones. We've got all these receptors on our hair for hormones. So, um, the way you guys are treating it holistically and, and as that symphony is very, very important. And it's important if you're having hormone related hair loss to land up, um, you know, with a doctor that understands this. And, you know, it's not always a, you, you might have to try this. You might have to try that. This might elevate something it's not supposed to. So uh, it's quite a process to get you balanced, but you need to get someone dedicated to that process. And then that will in turn help your hair. Um, but as Sim said, it, that can take time once okay. we have rectified things. Is there, if we if we move a little bit uh, on further in life, sixty to seventy, is there a difference postmenopausal to that of postmenopausal women, or is this like a senile kind of hair loss? Yeah, so in males and females, you do see that senile kind of hair loss. It, you know, just our cells stop dividing optimally. We get this thing called senescence. Um, if you look at a bowl of fruit and there's one bad apple, that would be your senescent cell. And if you have a cell that's sort of just hanging out and it's bad and not being cleared, which happens to all our cells as we age, it's that, that rotten apple in the bowl starts to affect the others. That's known as senescence and it affects all our cells, our sight, our joints. So aging isn't fun. And hair is one of the, the things that is susceptible to aging and senescence. My, my patients often come and ask, okay, so how long do I do? Uh, hormone optimization and you know thank you for describing senescence because I will use that in my consults with them um, as we get older um, cells aren't healed or repaired as well and that broken cell um, is where we start decay of surrounding cells. Thank you, Kath. That's a very good analogy for me to use. I will use that. Okay, so we don't have a lot of time left for this discussion. Kathy, um, medication. Okay, so uh, this is very important. And, and you've Medication, sorry, mind. medication that cause oh, okay. hair loss before we go to treatment. So there, there's a long list of medication, but, the, uh, you know, in almost any medication – you know, has hair loss listed somewhere along the line. But the common ones are your um, anti-epileptic drugs. Unfortunately, please don't stop them. You know, do anything, you know, with, with your practitioner if you are having hair loss from any important drug. Um, and something like Roaccutane, which a lot of teens go on for the acne, can cause hair loss. Um, but basically, there's, there's a whole list of medication that you can actually check online. And it's probably about 200 drugs that cause hair loss okay um so let's get to treatment Treatment. i have a question yes before you tell us about proper treatment yes um there's a celebrity who has like come out to say she has alopecia and she just cut off her like hair and she just went bald is that a way of treating 
hair loss. No, but it's fantastic. It's a way of accepting what you're going through, accepting okay. your body. It's not going to treat it. Okay. Um, it's, it probably looks better if it's patchy and you shave it, you know, than rather having the patches. But that's fantastic. And I think it's also helping a whole lot of other women who've decided to do the same thing, that she's made it cool and acceptable. But it's not going to treat it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So... Treatment modalities. We know that we need to start with identifying the type of hair loss. Number one. Yes. Uh, you need to know what it is that you are treating. Then treat underlying conditions. 100%. Get, get the thyroid function 100% optimal. Get iron levels optimal. Take a look at Diabetes, insulin, etc., etc. Um, now, Kath, what treatments do we have for women? Because transplants for them don't really work. So, exactly. what do we do? So, it's all about, and and I'm going to reiterate this as you've just said. It is first treating the underlying condition because if that's not treated, your hair is not going to respond. But once you've done that. Then it's about stimulating the follicle. There's only one FDA-approved treatment, uh, actually two, sorry, for females. The one is um, minoxidil. It's an FDA-approved treatment for females. They can use it at home. It's a prescription drug. needs to be prescribed by your doctor. And the thing about minoxidil is um, it is effective, but you need to be compliant you need to use it um, every, every day. day. It's supposed to be twice daily, but I honestly don't know who, you know, anyone who can keep up with something twice a day for the rest of their lives. So daily minoxidil, massaging it into the follicle. It can be a bit of a pain because the minoxidil can make your hair look a bit greasy or, or, dry. or dry. For me, yeah. it, it made my hair dry. Yeah. But if you stick to it and you get into a routine, it can definitely help your hair. Unfortunately, with minoxidil, it's not a cure. So if you were to stop minoxidil, you 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 shed pretty quickly. You lose what you have yeah, gained. I, I, I had that as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lifelong. I stopped it. It's a lifelong medication, relatively inexpensive, um, and and FDA approved. The other FDA approved treatment for hair loss is your red light therapy or PDT therapy, either at home or in a clinic. And it's not I, I, I'm sorry I, that I interject again. Um, when when photodynamic therapy came into the market, um, oh God, Kath, how long is it? Twenty years? Yeah, must be. Um, it, we knew the light devices that you and I bought twenty years ago, um, Omnilux, if I'm not yes. mistaken, were incredibly expensive back then. Um, because it's it's very easy to get red light, yeah. you know, getting the wavelength uh, um, of the light right is not a problem. I, I can make red light, um, but getting the energy yeah. into the hair in that wave is far more important and more difficult. So when you say um, home. Lights. It's not any red light. It's a specific air light. No, and I mean, obviously, the ones in the clinic are far more potent. Um, like you said, the one we spent so much money on. It's just a case of getting there. Um, 
Okay. So, so, so we can use home based devices it's going to give us a result maybe not that optimal one but yeah. better than nothing but better than nothing okay and once again it's about compliance i have so many people who have bought this hair comb this and this this helmet and they use it for two weeks and then it sits in the cupboard so unfortunately you know like the brushing your teeth analogy if if you've someone who's prone to ongoing hair loss it's ongoing treatment but um, How just often do they need to do this? So like, minoxidil every day, the light at least three times a week. A week. Yeah. Can you overstimulate with a light? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, but I wouldn't want my, my body to get tolerant to something so bit. So I'm really not sure. So you would alternate? I would alternate, yeah. Okay. Um, and because time is going so quickly, I want to tell you about what we can do in the clinic for you. So unfortunately at my, at the moment at my practice, I'm really doing hair transplants for males. But, um, most of the aesthetic doctors and GPs now treat hair loss. First of all, you know, by doing this whole internal consultation to see why you have lost your hair, but then by stimulating the follicle with something like a platelet-rich plasma, PRP, which is actually using your own blood. Um, and please, this needs to be done, you know, at a, at a doctor's clinic. Actually, I, I want to go further. It, this needs to be done. If you want to do hair restoration, um, you need to see a Someone that specializes in functional medicine first. Absolutely. Um, where we can restore the function, uh, restore the hormone balances. Uh, it's not just about iron. It's about how iron relates to thyroid hormones, how it relates to your testosterone, your estrogen, as well as other hormones. It's, it's, as, as an aesthetic practitioner myself, um, when we started with a Restoration It's okay you, You're losing your hair Let's do PRP And microneedling And put you under the light It's not as simple as that It is You need to start On the inside Absolutely not The the, the most important thing is, is is rectifying the cause If you can And then second prize Is stimulating the follicle Is just to try Bring it back A little bit quicker Than if you If you had just rectified The cause And had to wait for it To come back um, so your in-clinic treatments with PRP, which is stimulating the follicle using your own blood, is really good. There are a whole lot of growth factors and factors that stimulate new blood supply in PRP that, that we use. Um, there are also other substances that don't involve drawing your own blood if you, you know, can't get blood or if you aren't some, something that affects your platelets and you can't do it, um, such as hair fillers or mesotherapy. And it all just involves uh, injecting or stamping little amounts of product into the follicle to wake it up, stimulate it, and to just make it more healthy and start growing. Um, Kath, um, we had the um, distributors of the hair filler in our offices yesterday. Now, interestingly enough, um, alopecia now have ICD-10 codes so for you that don't know what that is it's it's a medical code that um is registered to a specific condition um and it's a universal one uh, we use those icd10 codes all over the world now if a if a disease has an icd10 code medical aids 
sometimes or the majority of the times will pay for the treatment. The question that I posed to the guys from the hair filler, because it's called hair filler, was how successful is a claim at the medical aid? And unfortunately, they couldn't answer that question. Do you use hair filler in your practice for some men? Yes, I do, but I've never had a successful medical aid claim in any hair loss, even in my burns patients. Um, probably okay. need to try again. Although it has an ICD-10 code, and I've been telling my patients, recent, medical aids do pay for it. It's almost impossible to get that claim through, and if it goes through, it goes through your savings plan. Yeah. So, so these these treatments are pricey. So, if you can't afford the in clinic, the minoxidil and self massage at home is also very very. How about good. rollers, micro needling lo- rollers for home care? Very good. So the the little micro needling stimulates the follicle, even if there isn't a substance that you're pushing in. But if you're doing it um, with the substance, and it has to be something that's created to use with the microneedle. You can't just roll anything into your hair. But um, microneedling definitely, if you get into the habit of it, also stimulates the follicle. But just know it's a long road to grow your hair back. Don't give up after the first two weeks because it's like farming. You're fertilizing the soil and the seeds today. And the next crop, which could take up to a year, is going to be the crop that benefits from the treatment. So it's very frustrating, but start as soon as you can so you can reach that year as soon as you can. Okay. Last question. Mm. Um, Once you've started treatment for the hair loss, Am I able to wear a wig? Because I'm not liking how my head looks currently, but I want to protect it and still look presentable in front of people that I meet. So if you wear a wig, give your hair as much breathing room as possible. Take it off when you get home. If it's causing lines on your forehead, you know it's too tight. It's cutting the blood supply off to your head. Uh, Make sure it's not trapping oil and dirt on your hair. But yes, you can cover up. Same as men, they always ask me, can they wear a cap or does it cause hair loss? It, it, you know, it's, it's a bit of a housewife's tale that a cap causes hair loss, but if you, if you're blocking in all the oil and dirt all day, it's not great for your hair. So just give it breathing room when you get home. But yes, you can cover up when you're out and about. Yeah. Topical. But with that hairline, you don't need to. <laughs> Topical you. and oral products. Do they work? Does, um, a 500 rand because Kevin Murphy condition and shampoos 500 rand for a tiny bottle to my that's a big lot of dis- money to my big dismay um i is there a difference um on what i wear and things like um trichology which is uh, a, a shampoo and a serum and tablets and which is for one from your angle Thymus oh, skin. skin so yes yeah, so these are basically products as alternatives to minoxidil um, thymus skin, for example, is a very, very good product. It's got growth factors in it. Um, but they, none of them are miraculous. They all help to stimulate the follicle. Thymus skin is medicated, so it gets, it rectifies your scalp conditions, which I like about it. Um, and the one nice thing about that product is it's not like minoxidil, so if you stop it, you don't have a shed. Ah, okay. Um, Elise, please give me some. Um, Kathy, then my last question. Chemotherapy and post-chemotherapy. Is there anything um, that we can do for our patients going through chemotherapy to help maybe prevent hair loss? So there are some... um 
uh, practices of cold cap therapy. Yes, I've heard about this one. Yes, definitely. Uh, What does that mean? So it means that they they cryo your head so that the chemo reaches everywhere except for your follicles. So hopefully. So literally, as you sitting with your chemotherapy in, they're freezing your head. Yes. Um, okay. And some people are, you know, maintain their hair like that. But for the most people, um, don't have that option and they do lose their hair. Then, um, just know that it's, it's going to grow back. But the time to start treating it, or when I start treating post chemo, is about two weeks after your last chemo radiotherapy. Okay. And then the fluffs yeah, coming through. You can, like some people say, if you treat it during, the, the products are very expensive. Mm. So I find it the most beneficial. You get through your chemo. Um, if you have the hair loss, then as that little fluff starts to come, treat the fluff. Oh, okay. To, to treat it. And treat the fluff with microneedling and PRP? Yes, you can. Um, or is there specific products for you? skin has a specific chemotherapy product. It's pink. It's pricey. But the nice thing about hair loss after chemo is you're not going to have to treat it forever. It's, you know, it's not like your ongoing hair loss. You treat it, it grows back, and then, then it's there. Okay. We've come to um, the end of the show, but Kathy, you know what? It's it's always a pleasure to have you in in studio with us. I always learn a lot from you, and I think our our listeners will even learn more. Um, unfortunately, as you said at the moment, you're not not really seeing female patients um, as the focus of your practice is on transplantation. But if you want to know anything more, um, uh, sorry, Kathy doesn't know it, but I have an open um, line and I know what the cell phone number is. So um, I've, I've called her while she's in the States at two o'clock in the morning. Um, you can contact us at the T Clinic. Um, the number is zero one zero eight two four one three nine three. Or if you want to know more, Kath, uh, just a little bit more about hair loss. Or if you want to refer your husband for hair loss, how do we get hold of you? What's the website? The most simplest way at the moment is Dr. Kathy S A on Instagram. Um, I'm very very full, so I have closed my website um, temporarily. I'll, I'll open up again when I'm. Taking new patients, but Dr. Kathy S.A., Kathy with a C, is uh, on Instagram. Okie dokie. Next week, we, um, it, we will have a frank discussion about testicular carcinoma, and I'll be joined by one of uh, leading oncologists, Dr. Devin Moodley. Um, it's Testicular Cancer Month, so guys, please join us for that one. Women as well, you need to know what your husband's balls feels like. So um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Have a great, great one. Thank you so Thank much for you. having me. Thank you. That was The Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by The Tea Clinic.